We now continue with more of The Mark Milton Show with The Smash on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. All right, welcome to The Mark Milton Show with The Smash. We have former Lieutenant Governor Peter Kinder. Sir, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Mark. Oh, absolutely. Um, When I saw the news uh, this week uh, that Rush Limbaugh had passed, uh, you were the first person I thought of in Missouri uh, that I'd love to, you know, talk to about his life and legacy, having grown up with him in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, uh, where the, you know, the Limbaugh name is, is you know, infamous not only there, but around the state of Missouri and, and really internationally. Um, can you just share with us, you know, what was it like growing up with him in, in Cape Girardeau? Well, Rush was unique even as a boy. Uh, let me give you an example of his independent streak. He was one... Uh, he was one independent cuss, uh, contrarian. Here we are in the heart of Cardinal Nation, right? And we worship the St. Louis Cardinals. Everybody except Rush Limbaugh, who we <laughs> called Rusty then to distinguish him from his grandfather, who lived to be 104, and his father, Rush Sr. and Rush Jr. But Rusty, Rusty Limbaugh back in the 60s was not only not a Cardinal fan, he was a passionate baseball fan and a fine baseball player, Babe Ruth League and elsewhere. But he was an L.A. Dodgers fan, and nobody could I, – I never asked him to explain it. But Maury Wills, the shortstop of those years, was his favorite player, and he loved Drysdale and Koufax and, and Walt Alston, the manager, and he bled Dodger blue. And his father would take us to the ball game at Old Sportsman's Park on North Grand and uh, – it would be to see the Dodgers play, and Rush would try to get autographs from the Dodgers while we were all uh, hoping to meet a Cardinal. <laughs> so right then, there he was—he uh, he was uh, his own man at age eight, nine, ten, eleven. Wow, that's that's awesome. So, and he—my understanding is he got his start in radio as a student at Cape Girardeau High School. Is that correct? Yeah, he did. He he. He had a passion for radio. He's often said uh, he thought school was a prison. He hated school. Uh, he had no use for the uh, legal education of so many in his family, including his father. And uh, he, he said, uh, my mom would have the radio on when I was a little bitty kid in the morning before heading to school. And he said it always sounded like that guy was having fun. So that's what he wanted to do. And... Uh, 15 and a half, I think, you know, he begins to do the driver's learning permit, and his dad sent him to uh, Dallas uh, to go through a two-week course or whatever it was to earn a, to qualify you for a licensed broadcaster. And he comes back from Dallas and gets a job at KGMO Radio spinning records and being a DJ when he was 16 years old. His dad had a minority ownership in the station, but Rush proved himself. He was there before school at 6 in the morning till he had to go to high school, and then high school was out, and he'd be back at 3.30 or 4 for another three hours on the air, and, and that was his great love, and, and uh, he discovered his talent, built his talent, uh, discovered the real intimacy of radio and its capacity to hold listeners in a way that television doesn't doesn't have that intimacy and of course the rest is history he was fired seven times at least <laughs> that i know of 
from different jobs, uh, program directors and station managers in Pittsburgh and Kansas City uh, fired him, uh, and he just kept plugging away and finally got his break in Sacramento, where they finally began to let him do his thing, and then he went national in uh, the summer of 1988. And I'll tell you, he reinvented and redefined talk radio. Talk radio in America was dying in the 80s. Its days were numbered. Uh, There were fewer than 200 stations in the nation trying to do talk radio. Of course, you had one of the leading ones succeeding at it in St. Louis, but but uh, but it was dying everywhere. And and Rush comes along, and he is told by all the experts, you can't do a show with no guests. Nobody can do a show with no guests. Nobody can do one hour, much less three hours with no guests. You can't do a show in the middle of the day. You can't do a national show in the middle of the day. You can't attract that many stations to your uh, to your product and you can't attract that many listeners and one by one rush busted through all of those camps and he revived am talk radio and in doing so there are thousands of talk radio stations now in america because of rush limbaugh who didn't listen to the folks who said it couldn't be done and uh, uh there are thousands of jobs in talk radio owing to Russia's success as he redefined the whole medium and invented the new medium. Somebody said last night he's the Johnny Carson of talk radio, AM talk radio, and uh, not bad for a a college dropout his freshman year from uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Well, and somebody made the comment, you know, he was the Babe Ruth of talk radio, but really he was more the the James Naismith of basketball. I mean, he kind of started it. I mean, this concept of... You know, talk radio, politics, opinion, you know, opinion journalism, if you will, yeah. really yeah, started with him. Radio, for talk radio, he was not only the Babe Ruth, he was the Babe Ruth, the Lou Gehrig, the, the Joe DiMaggio, the Stan the Man, all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll never, I don't think he'll ever, ever be replaced. And what always stood out to me was his intellect. For a guy who, I mean, did he go to, I don't think he went to college, right? Like you said, he hated formal education one year he, he went one year half-heartedly <laughs> but i mean and, the and guy he, he flunked, uh, mark here's another great anecdote he flunked speech communication uh, he flunked speech communication and uh, he said i hated the fact that the the professor assigned us to do an outline he said the course should have been been, been called outlining and and he said and so i've often noted that Rush flunked speech communication, and the guy, and the professor who flunked him went on to get tenure. Wow, that's amazing. This is the Mark Millen Show. We've got former Lieutenant Governor Peter Kender joining us to talk about the life and legacy of Rush Limbaugh. What I mean, obviously, Rush moved around uh, in his career, ended up settling in Florida. What did Missouri mean to him in particular, based on based on how well you knew him? Well, Missouri and and his small town hometown values here in Missouri. Uh, here in southeast Missouri with the Limbaugh family uh, are values that never left him. And uh, he never left us, in a sense, although he moved away uh, first when he went national in 88 to New York City. And he was there about uh, eight years before he had enough of New York taxes. (laughs) And he went, he moved to Florida. He was an early adopter of the mass migration to Florida now Mm -hmm. that's occurring. Uh, and and saved himself a lot of uh, tax money 
by the way, New York City and New York State harassed him, uh, would audit him every year. If he, if he flew into New York, they would tax him for the day he was there. So he began arriving at 12.01 or 12.05 a.m. so he wouldn't pay the taxes for the, you know, the evening. And he'd get out as soon as he could. Uh, that's the way a state like New York, run by Democrats, uh, treats people. Florida is much more welcoming. And we're now seeing the fruits and the results of that. But Rush never lost those values, and he championed them with such great eloquence and uh, so effectively for so many years. You know, when he came on the scene in 1988, Mark, the national media was Peter Jennings and Dan Rather and and, uh, Oprah. And there was nobody uh, booming out a message like Rush did. And and it's kind of like... what Rupert Murdoch and Roger Ailes th- found out when they invented Scott, uh, Fox News in the in the 90s and in 96, they opened Fox. They found a niche market. Half the country. Yep. Half the country that was was not, never hearing their views expressed until Rush came along. Yeah, I, I see a lot of parallels with Donald Trump and, and Limbaugh. And I was actually surprised to hear last night, I heard Donald Trump interviewed that he didn't know Rush until he actually ran for president, and they obviously became very good friends. Rush was a, a huge supporter of Trump early on, um, and I do think that Rush is one of his biggest contributions was kind of giving a voice to that silent majority of people who were, you know, fed up with the the Carter administration, sort of the liberal liberal agenda starting to be pushed in the '80s, and certainly you know full throttle in in the 90s under clinton right you know i i think uh, hillary and the clinton bunch would say rush was the original deplorable <laughs> yeah that's good smash has got a question for you hey mr kinder my name is asher ben ruby everybody just calls me the smash i'm mark's partner over here when i first came to uh st louis in 1988 out of washington dc i was working at kc 95 and we heard about this guy out of cape Girardeau. Rush Limbaugh, and he was coming on strong all over the country with his political talk format. I tried to get him on the air, and I couldn't get him on the air, but they gave me his brother, and his brother was my interview. I, I interviewed him like three different times, and his brother was pretty astute to all this stuff. Too. David, the, David, yes, yeah, David exactly David's right. his only sibling. David's a published author of nearly a dozen books. Uh-huh. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, I learned about Rush Limbaugh was that he loved rock and roll music. Were you familiar with that fact? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that was his start. Yeah. Everything, everything rock and roll from the early 60s on. Yeah. I mean, Booker T and the MGs. Sure. uh, All the great Motown uh, stuff and, and many other artists, too numerous to mention, the Beach Boys. And, and, you know, his bluesy bumper music. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. Well, uh, Mr. Kinder, let me let me ask you, did you ever, because of the music that Rush Limbaugh loved, did you ever actually see him di- dance to any of it? <laughs> oh, I probably did, but I don't have that memory <laughs> in my mind. The, the okay. last thing I want to talk about, you had the opportunity, sir, to present him with a, a, bu- a bronze bust at the Missouri yeah. Capitol during your time right. uh, in Jefferson City. Can you talk us, tell us a little bit about how that came about and how how he felt about getting that honor? Well, that was a great day nine years ago, 2012, uh, and and I, I cannot take leadership responsibility for that. That was the then Speaker of the House, Steve Tilley, because 
it, who, whoever is the speaker at the time controls uh, who gets awarded a bust in the Hall of Famous Missourians in our state capitol. So that was Steve Tilley, a credit to him. I was, uh, you might say, a sidecar instrumental in helping. And uh, Fox has been running a picture of the three of us yeah. over and over again right. uh, showing showing that day. It was a very proud day. It was controversial, as you can imagine. Uh, the Democrats uh, did not want that to go through. Uh, but we're very proud, and Rush was very proud. He was elated that day, as you can see from the photos, his wide smile. Uh, it was a large collection of the Limbaugh extended family present for that day. Uh, aunts and uncles and many, many cousins. David, his only sibling, and both Rush's parents were gone by then, but um, and both of mine were gone by then, but but it was a proud day for uh, Limbaugh, Rush, and all his friends. And I saw and your mom's that, your mom sang in choir together, didn't they? Growing uh, up, not only did my mom sing in the choir with Millie, Rush's mother, but they were best friends, and they were a singing duo in town for fifty years until Millie died in two thousand. Wow. That's that's awesome. Well, we really appreciate you sharing uh, your your stories, and, and um, you know, Rush is somebody that. Uh, I've listened to for a long time, and you know whether you agree with everything he says or the way he delivers it, you can't deny his his intellect and his preparedness. The way he went about his job uh, was really something to behold, regardless of um, you know what you think of his viewpoint. And that's what I find so unfortunate about. You're starting to see some of the left attacking him, and it's like just let the man have his due. You know, I mean, the guy yeah. deserves to be, especially yeah. here in Missouri. I mean, I can't think of many Missourians that have had a bigger impact. In my, in my view, positive impact on society than, than Rush Limbaugh. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. That's Lieutenant Governor Peter Kinder, former Lieutenant Governor of the great state of Missouri. Really appreciate him joining the Mark Milton Show with the smash. So good to have Peter Kinder with us, uh, former Lieutenant Governor, former State Senator, uh, truly one of the, the nicest people in Missouri politics. I got to know him when I was... Uh, running for state rep uh, in 2016, failed candidate myself, but he was running for governor at the time. He actually ran for governor in 2016. Yeah, I remember. Um, lost to Eric Greitens, unfortunately, oh, in wow, the, in the right. uh, Republican primary. But yeah. truly one of the, the really good people in Missouri politics, really cares uh, about Missouri, its people. Um, you know, I know he's doing a lot of great things now, trying to help out troubled youth uh, in the St. Louis area and, and throughout Missouri. So just really, really great guy and Great to have him on the show to talk about Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. You know, the uh, thing about uh, Rush Limbaugh that I always admired, and he had all kinds of controversy and a lot of people hate him and everything. But one thing I, I admired about the guy, and I kind of like adapted to the various radio shows that I did, is the guy had to be the show himself. It's like uh, Lieutenant Governor Kidner was, was talking about. He didn't count on guests. You didn't rely on guests. You got to be the show yourself. And you want to add some guests? That's a different story. But if you can be the show yourself, then you're a monolith unto it all. And you don't need these other folks. You can entertain without them. Well, he would do three hours straight yeah, to good. most days. I think on, on Fridays he would take calls. Yeah. That was the only time. And maybe rarely he would have guests. Like yeah. I know that Donald Trump came on a couple of times. Right. Very rarely would he have guests. And he, like you said, he would command the show, and it would be interesting. It yeah. never lulled. It was always interesting stuff that he was talking about, always mm -hmm. very 
insightful, intellectual. I mean, yep. he, he knew what he was talking about. And I think that's what, you know, captivated so many people around the country was mm-hmm. this guy's ability to not only uh, give knowledge, but also entertain. I mean, he was truly an entertainer in the sense that, I mean, he had, he had, he was funny. I mean, I think yeah. sometimes his, his comedy came across as, as bigoted or, or misogynistic yeah. or whatever That's you want to what call it about. Yeah. to the left. But and when I, when I would hear him make comments, it was more so mocking the left for their, yeah. you know, what he considered to be racist. He thought the left right. was racist. Yeah. But, you know, I, I saw a quote from him where he talked about, you know, uh, conservatism is about, you know, helping people get out of poverty and talking about how the, America has done more to lift people out of poverty than any other system. You know, the mm-hmm. capitalist system, it's not perfect, but it's great. Whereas, you know, the left is more about, you know, identity politics, creating division, looking into a crowd of people and seeing the minorities versus just seeing everyone as Americans. Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me because I do think that conservatives often get branded as racist, whereas, you know, I feel like as conservative and as somebody who, you know, believes in America and believes that this country is still the greatest place on earth, you can do anything you want, you can achieve any of your dreams if you just put your mind to it. The left believes, no, there's always somebody to blame for why you're not getting to where, you know, you want to be. Right, right. Well, let me tell you one thing about uh, Rush Limbaugh, just me being in the business. Uh, I started up in uh, 1967. I started on the radio, 1977. And one thing about Rush Limbaugh that I always loved was he had control of the dynamic. He knew how to use his voice in a way to bring forth a bravado, to bring forth a drama, to bring forth a silence. He had a control of the dynamic. And people think along those lines because they think, oh, he has a great voice for radio and all that kind of stuff. No, no matter what kind of voice you have, do you control the room? And the room is the dynamic. That's one of the things I loved about this guy. Well, and I'm curious, given your you know experience in the industry, how did he get to be on all these stations? I mean, he's mm-hmm. syndicated. I mean, now syndicated hosts are a common mm-hmm. thing, but like back then, was that common, or was he sort of a pioneer in that well, syndicated radio world? As I understand it, what he did was he got some people around him who were his guys. All right, as he faded out here towards the end. Guy had like five, six producers, and they brought him material from all over, and he would put his Rush Limbaugh on him, his dynamic on him. But in the early days, you would start with a station, let's say, in Sacramento, like he started up. And then you'd go to another small to medium market in California. Hey, would you like this show in the middle of your day? It's available to you right now, and it's only going to be 100 bucks flick of the switch it's a flick of the switch situation they flick the switch boom all of a sudden you got three hours of rush limbaugh that's what the whole deal was so you build that and you build that and maybe you get yourself 20 stations and you're showing a good revenue off that those 20 stations then you take it to just use the term a syndicator like in those days a westwood one united stations whatever the case may be and you sell that to those guys, and now all of a sudden you jump from 20 stations to 200 stations. And like a Howard Stern, you got 1,200 stations. You know, like a Rush Limbaugh, you got, I don't know how many uh, hundreds of stations he had. But that's the way you start. You have to prove yourself. It's almost like when we were in our band, we had to prove ourselves to the record company. The one who bought us was Mercury Records. And we proved ourselves because we sold our albums. We did our, our own albums and our 45s. We sold them out of the back of a uh, 1972 Ford Fairlane. 
And I had boxes and boxes. And at the gig or after the gig, we would go out and we'd sell albums to people. When you showed that you could sell a 1,000 albums, then you go to the record company. Most of them turned us down, but Mercury Records out of Chicago, Illinois, because we used to play Chicago all the time, they bought us. And in that purchase, it's the same parallel to what Rush Limbaugh did. And he was able to blast himself up because now all of a sudden you got 200, 2,000 stations. Holy So he's getting paid on the syndication side, but then the station like KMOX here in St. Louis. Yeah. When they play them three hours a day, they're getting the ad revenue during the, the break. Revenue. He might get stuff. a portion of the ad revenue. He might get a base salary. Because it's hard. I mean, literally, he was in every market. I mean, Rush yeah, was so big. Right. And he, he never moved over to XM. I mean, mm-hmm. it was always, you know, it was yeah. AM, FM dials right. throughout the country, which is really remarkable. I don't know if you'll ever see anything like it again. Dave Ramsey's a guy who mm-hmm, I right. think has a similar uh, approach. I mean, right. he's syndicated all over the country now. Probably yep. one of the biggest audiences you'll hear is, is you know, in comparison to yeah. a Rush Limbaugh. Sean Hannity, who's basically a, you know, disciple, if you will, of, yeah. of Rush Limbaugh, has, right. has done it. And you've seen a proliferation of conservative hosts all over the country, frankly, that uh, when in the day of social media, censorship, cancel, I mean, it's really the only way these people can get their message out is to be on the radio this at, at this point or podcast. Let's slide over to who do you think takes, quote, unquote, the the baton from Rush Limbaugh and carries on from there. I don't think anyone can replace him, and I'm not yeah. sure the model is can be replicated Good in this point. era. That's I think right. podcasting has become so big. Um, you know, Joe Rogan has become a, mm-hmm. a force in the podcast world. Yeah. Um, from a TV media standpoint, in general, I think Tucker Carlson has sort of picked up the baton in yeah. terms of giving the silent majority, quote unquote, right. the people who are tired of the political correctness and all that. Um, I think he has sort of filled, will fill that void for people who are looking for somebody that's going to kind of speak on their behalf. Donald Trump, if he gets into the media world, you know, post-presidency, I think, you know, him and Limbaugh shared a lot of characteristics in terms of their view of America and, you know, kind of, you know, anti, anti PC culture, anti, um, you know, uh, or being, you know, America first, that sort of thing, pro-America policies. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if Trump builds out a network of... I can of, see I that happening. Be a network. I don't think it'll be one person. I don't think one person could ever do what Rush, mm-hmm. Rush Limbaugh did. But you and do let, a tangent of that, though. What's that? And you could do a tangent of that. You could still be in the excellence in broadcasting system. Right. Only it's Donald Trump. Well, right. And that's kind of like Dave Ramsey. He has mm-hmm. the he has a network of, of hosts yeah. and, and radio personalities he that now he's built out with his... With his network, yep. Um, I'll tell you who who really can't be replaced or, or substitute is Miller Furniture. Smash. Oh, three locations the, now. If three locations. If you're looking for furniture for your house, there really is no substitute for Miller Furniture. The the amount of offerings they have, the American made yeah. options they have, can't be beat by any other mm-hmm. furniture store in the St. Louis area. The quality can't be beat. The price cannot be beat. Please check them out if you're in the market for furniture. Miller Furniture. It's M U E. L-L-E-R furniture.com, the new location on Manchester and Ellisville, 1.2 miles east of Clarkson Road. You can't miss them out there. They also have locations in Belleville, Illinois, and Lake St. Louis. So wherever you are in the St. Louis area or in the world, yes. if you're shopping online at millerfurniture.com, Good point. check them out for all their latest deals at millerfurniture.com. You can follow them on Facebook uh, for their latest promotions. They just wrapped up a big half-price sale. I know they're going to be having a lot of other. They always have deals. They always have 
promotions they're running, depending on what you're looking for. We love the uh, the the Flex Steel showroom where you can go in and pick and choose your fabrics, your style, your reclining features, customize a couch for your living space. Also, the Amish made American furniture, the uh, wood dining room sets, bedroom furniture can't be beat. So be sure to check them out. MillerFurniture.com. This is the Mark Milton Show with the Smash, broadcasting from the Miller Furniture Studios and presented by stltaxlawyer.com.